Hello and welcome along to another edition of the Left Wing Back Podcast with me, Kevin Regan. We're on to episode 5 of the My Time in the Gansey series and today our conversation features a sharpshooter from Airogue. He's a man who used to shoot the lights out for Carlo. He started off the year as a selector with the Carlo senior football team and in 2017 and 2018 he completely transformed his game as a finisher to become a key figure in the modern day half-forward role with Airogue. Simon Ray is today's guest. We venture into many topics in this one. Among those are the good times as Carlo's ace forward, missing out on Airogue's run to the 20 2019 Leinster Club final and we also chat about stories of a personal nature which Simon bravely opens up about publicly for the first time. Today's episode is kindly brought to you in association with Corcoran Precast Tanks. Simon, great to have you on the show. It's a while since we spoke. How's things with you? Yeah, yeah all, all good. Thanks for uh, having me. Uh, it's uh, we're, we're living in obviously strange times at the moment, Kevin, but uh, trying to keep the spirits up and uh, all is good at home here. Good stuff. So, um, yeah, the the kind of the nature of this podcast is to talk about your time in the Gansey, I suppose, um, county primarily. You also enjoyed a lot of success with with Airog, but uh, first we'd like to go back to where you actually kind of got interested in football. Now, I know there's great heritage and there's great history in your family, linking all the way back to the Carroll team in '44 that won Leinster. Maybe talk to us about that. Yeah, well, obviously, uh, my grandfather uh, Jim Array was was uh, on that team, um, corner forward, uh, kit hog like myself. Um, so, like, it's great to have that tradition. Uh, never got to meet him personally. Um, he, he actually passed away in November '72, but uh, heard lots of great stories about football back then and and that time and. Um, Brendan Hayden would have filled me in a lot of stories uh, that down through the years. Um, obviously, my dad as well. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, look, obviously that tradition was there uh, in, within the family, and uh, it was nice to go be able to go on and um, play for Carlo and also play interprovincially as well. Uh, my grandfather lined out in Rail Cup as well for many years, and I got I got that opportunity. I was lucky to do that as well. So uh, that was that was nice. So football was always number one then in the family, I take it. Now, I know you have a big love of soccer as well. So where did that tie in? Yeah, well, no, football, I was, I was introduced probably at a, an early age. I, I grew up um, in New York Estate um, in, in Carlo. And uh, I remember my dad bringing me over when he was five um, to Airog. Um, it was 50p, the membership at the time. Uh, Nucky was on the gates. He's still there at the moment. Uh, <laughs> over what to the Oh, what a man, a great man, great club servant. Uh, and uh, over to the old prefabs used to be there. Um, and that was my earliest introduction to it. Uh, I did. I had a love for soccer, don't get me wrong, and I really enjoyed playing it. Played loads of soccer underage, but probably always probably preferred the Ga. Um, there was a much more, probably more family community feel to it. Uh, probably always been a tighter knit. I personally felt myself. Um so that's probably why I lean towards the gap probably more than the soccer um, down through the years. Right. So um, Iraq obviously had a huge amount of success in the 90s. Um, and I know within that generation that we spoke with in between, like your dad and your uncle and stuff, they, they were big men, obviously, going back 70s and 80s. But for you personally, you're probably, I'd say, 10 or 11 years of age when Iraq started winning Lancers in the 90s. That obviously played a huge part on your career as well. Oh, well, it did. It did. Them, them days out were, were incredible. Uh, and we, we were lucky enough to be brought along to them um, as well. Um, I mean, you know, some there's been some great club people, unbelievable club people. Um, Bottom Hogan, um, Jimmy Byrne, my Uncle Tom, Andy Ellis, Eamon Ellis, um, 
they've all had a huge impact on me um, or coached me up along the way. Uh, but that team itself, obviously, you know, there's what, what, what more can be said about them? It was, it was an incredible time for the club and for County Carlo as well because people from all over Carlo got behind them. Um, and them days out uh, are something that you, you'll, you'll always remember. Um, pity we didn't close the deal in the two chances we had in the All-Ireland, but uh, the, the, they were desperately unlucky for, for one of them anyway. Um, but then players like Sir Brendan Hayden, uh, Jody Morrissey, uh, Jimmy Dooley, John Kearns, Huey Brennan, Willie Quinlan. You could go down through them all. Like You can name them all off the top of your head. Garvin Ware, uh, they obviously did. And I was lucky enough then to come on the back end and get to play with a lot of those guys. Um, and they left their kind of imprint on you and what's expected of, of to uh, win and going forward. But not only that, the tradition playing with Airog as well, you know. Good stuff. Was there a player in particular that you kind of modelled yourself on? Um, I know Paul McCarthy was a great left footer free taker. He's sadly no longer with us, but is he someone you looked to? Because I see similarities in how both you kind of played. He was left footed as well. Yeah, Paul. Uh... Paul was a really, really good footballer, um, and he he had a sweet left foot on him. Um, he, he and he was a good man to take a free off the ground as well. Um, and uh, that's probably where the similarity is with us. I always kind of the free taking side of it uh, probably based myself a little bit more on Muckle in terms of Muckle had this really nice relaxed technique, kind of running up to the ball. Um, and actually, who introduced me to take and freeze, and I, I, I named him early on there, was actually Bonham Hogan. Uh, from a young age, actually, he always told me to put the kneels facing you and the valve facing forward and pick your spot and just make good contact with the ball. And I still use that to kind of this day whenever I'm putting the ball down. Uh, it's something probably I've used a good bit of. Uh, but um, yeah, that's the, it's, it's mad when you think of these things uh, and it's only when you have time to reflect on them and you, you realise how much of an input something as small as that someone introducing is that and how much you've used it over the time um, but uh, yeah look I, I think there's I think you can take a bit from everybody if you're trying to kind of mould yourself um, but at the end of the day you're you so you want to bring something that's a little bit more different and unique to it and um, that's the most important thing and have, have a bit of drive and self-application and hunger to want to try and get to to the top or as best you can at your own level, you know? No, different to a lot of their old players that are currently playing senior, they, they've enjoyed underage success. Um, memories of minor finals, coaches over those teams, things like that, influences? Yeah, look, we minor finals, uh, we some great tussles um, with Tin Ryland, uh, unbelievable tussles with Tin Ryland. Uh, coaches at the time back then as well, uh, Turlow and Tommy, uh, two two great men that are still going up up until this day. Uh, they've, they've given they've given a lifetime to the GA, both of them, and uh, two great characters as well. Um, but. Uh, they, they were over the team um, back around that time and um, we we were lucky, really, really lucky to come out one or two of them finals against Tin Ryland. Like Tin Ryland had a serious, serious team back then and um, I think 98, 99, we were blessed to come out one or two of them, a couple of late goals aside in them and um, they were great times, great times. Football was really, really competitive and uh, you always remember them waiting for the senior final 
after I think it could have been ninety nine that we we won and the seniors lost. That was the first time the Blues, that great Blues team that was coming back around them, had beaten them. But we've I've been lucky to be a part of a couple of doubles where the seniors have, have won on the same time, and we've enjoyed that too. Like you know, absolutely. Um, Tommy Wogan, as you mentioned, there was over the Carlow Minor footballers. Um, I think it was the year 2000 when you beat Kildare. That was a fantastic victory. And, of course, the late great Jim Minchin, who passed away sadly recently, was a selector. That's correct. An absolute gentleman. Yeah, gentleman Jim was. Um, a really nice character. Always in good form. Uh, and it's sad to hear of his passing um, recently there. But uh, that's right, Tommy. Uh, we had a great day. I think could have been up in Newbridge, if I'm if, uh, not wrong. We bet them in their own backyard, I think, Kevin. Maybe you might correct me. Yeah, no, you're 100%. Yeah, uh, but with some good players on that team as well. Do you know what I'm saying to you? Uh, Willie Hickey, I think John Cody. Uh, you know, there were some really good lads uh, and they're not from from football clubs as, as such as the, the more hurling traditional background. But uh, Tommy brought together a nice mix of lads and um, every everybody kind of brought into, bought into it at the time. And um, I think the next day out didn't go. We were probably, we were a lot of talk that we might take that leash team and... Uh, we probably, um, when we went out, uh, we, we just didn't perform. And Dr. Cullen, there was an expectation on us to go out and perform and things didn't go our way, uh, which was a little bit disappointing because we were probably better than that. Uh, and it just didn't work out on the day. But that happens in sports, you know. Yeah, unfortunately, it was kind of to become a team of things during your time with the, with, with the seniors as well. So kind of talk to us about the transition of Underage County to senior then. Who gave you a big break? What was the year? Uh, what was it like going into the setup? Um, I was well. I was kind of playing. I think it was around two thousand and two, uh, and I think myself and Thomas Walsh were both with the twenty ones at the time, and um, I might have been around nineteen. But Pat Rowe had brought us both up. I think to the senior panel at the time. No, I didn't play. Um, but Tom played, and um, and then I think then Pat. That was the year. I think we won the Carlo won the Burn Cup that year. And uh, basically, after I think that was past last year, um, in charge of the team, and then um, Mixer Condon took over at the time. Then, and I kind of took off from kind of 02 or three there, I think, up until 2011. Um, but I probably always struggled coming from coming up through Aero. We, we, we had a great tradition of winning, and I've been lucky enough to win. Uh, you know, right through up, up, up along. And I always struggled kind of coming in because with Carlo, we, we probably lacked a bit of ambition at that time. Um, there was some serious talent around, but we'd always perform in one-off games, but we'd never consistently put it together. Um, and that was kind of quite frustrating. Um, you know, when you go down through the players that were available at the time, um, like your Brian Farrells and your Joe Burns and uh, Johnny Nevins, Mark Carpenter, Brian Kelly's, Brian Carberry's. Like, there was some serious talent, but we just never kind of got it together and clicked. Um, I don't know whether that was a management thing or a player thing. Maybe the right guy didn't come along at the right time to ingest that belief in us, you know? So when you kind of came on the senior team first, it seemed like a seamless enough transition in that, you were playing corner forward, you were racking out mm. big scores, but yet you were still only under 21. So you took to it kind of like a duck to water. I suppose um, I kind of, again, had, had you had a bit of confidence in your own belief um, and you were probably 
training really hard at that time as well. You you're buoyed by the fact that you you've got this break and you're lucky and you've de- you're delighted to go on and represent your county at, at senior level. And uh, I remember actually we me senior league debut was in Dr. Cullen Park against Longford on a kind of a miserable day. I think they ended up beating us um three thirteen to something like eleven or twelve points at the day. But I got a right few points and kind of the, the confidence kind of carried on from there. Um and you just want more of it then, you know, once you're in there, you just want to be you want you want to be you want more games, you want to be playing regularly and uh that kind of really took off from there. But it's it was easy too because we I as I said to you, I alluded to there's some really good lads around you. Um like say Mark Carpenter, Johnny Nevin, Sean Cavanaugh was around back then as well. All these guys had huge experience. He, they were kind of looking out for you, and you were only this kind of young um, lad coming on the scene. Um, so it was probably easy fit into that transition um, when you had that experience in the team behind you. The game against Westmead in Crow Park in mm-hmm. 2003, I think William Minchin actually got a goal on the day. Was That's that right, your first yeah. appearance in Crow Park, and, and what's your memories of it? Yeah, it was. That was me. That was my first appearance in Croke Park. Uh, that was, I think, I think they, that game they won. I think it might have finished up one seventeen to one twelve. William might have got a, a late goal for us to put the to put the gloss on it first. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was just an incredible feeling to go into Croke Park. You're going out into this big, massive arena, and uh, the pitch is obviously like a carpet. And it, uh, listen, it's probably everybody's dream in their county no matter what to say, to go and play a game in Croke Park. And for it to come quite early, I was very, very lucky. Um, so it was um, in my time. Another reason I remember that game, it's probably the first and only game my mother ever seen me play. My mom never goes to any of the games. Very r- rarely listens to, listens to um, the radio or anything like that. But she was actually sitting very close to Bobby Miller, Lord rest his soul, that day. And, and I never forget the screams of She actually left at half time. Um, so she did. <laughs> she got a bit of a panic attack. She, 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 won't, uh, she won't like me saying it. But I remember Bobby telling me the story. Uh, and it was actually funny. Funny. So I remember that game. All right, yeah. So uh, the reason she didn't go to games, obviously, just a bit fearful that you might get hurt or something, I take it, is it? Yeah, that was that was the reason. It was always uh, she was always a bit fearful, and it was always it was always funny if we were going out to play the Blues. You know, she, oh, be careful there now. Be 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 careful. Them lads are big and tough and strong, and uh, and she wasn't lying either. Or Raffili, like they were probably the two teams she probably feared the most when we were going out to play against. Uh, you know, and um, but that was just probably a, a mother and, and looking after her boy. Which yeah, she never went to um, never went to any of the games. Which was which was funny, but uh, I always have a laugh about her now and have a bit of a skit and a joke with her, you know. But uh, yeah, that was two thousand and three, and I think after we lost that game, I think we could have played. Did we play down in the qualifiers that year? Maybe that was the following year. I think in around that time as well. Yeah. So the following year, obviously, there's a kind of there's a little bit going on behind the scenes in that. Um, Mick Condon was obviously there and the funny thing about this is you beat Dublin I'm almost certain you beat Dublin in around that time and yeah. I was doing a wee bit of homework on this you beat them in the O'Burn Cup obviously we're, we're talking about here we but did, yeah. going down to the Dublin team I see names like Stephen Cluxon Paddy Christie Paul Griffin Shane Ryan Coleman Goggins Darren McGee Kieran Whelan Senan Connell Brian yeah. Cullen Ray Cosgrove Darren Homan 
and Jason Sherlock. Jason so, Sherlock, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boring Cup or no Boring Cup, that was a serious enough Dublin team to be beaten, regardless of what time of the year it was. It was, and it uh, it actually was a great day in Dr. Cullen Park that day. I think I think the scoreline might have been 2-8, 13-9, or 2-9-40, something like that anyway. And... Um, uh, I think I think Mixer might have made two changes. Uh, myself and Brian might have been on the bench, and we came on at half time. And I think we got both the goals that day. Uh, I could be wrong though, but I, 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 I'm nearly sure that that's that's right. But it was some win, and I never forget the press lining up uh, for Tommy Lyons after the game. Actually, I'd wait for ages uh, outside the dressing room um, because he, he had a face like thunder. But that was. That was a very strong Dublin team. That was an extremely strong Dublin team. But it just goes to show you, in in games we like that, we, we could perform. And the players were there to perform. But we never consistently did it. And it, it, again, it goes back to probably whether... You, listen, people look at management, they look at players, they look at this, that. There's always, always obvious reasons. But if you have the right person that's able to come in and gel a group of players together... Uh, a bit like what Turlo and, and Stephen Poach have done with the guys over the last couple of years like you look at that team with envy because what they went on and achieved something for Carlo do you know and um, you're, you're kind of saying that team back then I thought was good enough to get out of a division I think it was division 2A and 2B back then um, and we, we, we great one-off results like that in and around that time um, Kevin but nothing actually as I said consistently you know, uh, and that that was that's probably disappointing, um, because the level of players that was available to us then, we, we should have definitely got more of it. You know, was that the wildest year you ever had in the county jersey? Seeing as despite being in charge of a team that beats Dublin, Mixer gets the boot a few weeks later after a league game above in Donegal. I know there was a bit of a piss up involved there, and we spoke to Paul Kelly on the podcast about yeah. it briefly. Um, that must have been a very very strange time, but like. Memories, no doubt, regardless of how good or how bad they are. Yeah, look, I, I was, I was young too, and uh, there was obviously a couple of things happened and a couple of things went wrong. And uh, Donegal, <laughs> Donegal was mad because again, it's going back to um, probably you, you'd never hear them things happening now ever, ever again. Probably of of what went on up there and stuff like that. And uh, it's I felt sorry for a Mixer in a way because. He actually wasn't. He was a decent person, and I think he had the right ideas. But obviously, what happened up there probably wasn't good enough as well. And and a couple of lads seen that too and said, "Well, here we're we're not standing for it." Like you know, uh, but it can be. It, it, I understand now looking back, it can be kind of quite unnerving when you're sitting in a dressing room and lads are asking their opinion. You you know, we we kind of need to move things on here, and we need to. Uh, we're looking to get rid of this person, and. Um, it's difficult to kind of because you're only young and maybe you don't feel like your opinion counts or maybe you don't feel that uh, you have any say in the matter that it's maybe up to the more senior group of players at the time. Do you know what I'm saying to you? And obviously too, certain amount of responsibility has to rest with players as well, you know. But because probably management were, were part of that debacle too, I think lads probably felt uh, that we, we needed to change it, you know. Um, can I be cheeky and ask if you voted in favour or against? <laughs> Uh, being honest, I I actually don't remember. I, I probably obviously would have went with the group, uh, Kevin. That's being genuine with you. Uh, 
I remember being in the dressing room on the outside pitch and um, obviously we had our players meeting beforehand and Mixer was outside and then the players relayed the message to him at the time. Um, so like probably just would have went along with it. As I said to you, it's part of being, I think it might have been 20 or 21 at the time and you're, you're kind of just saying, look, yeah, uh, if this is what you know, some of the senior lads are saying, well, then, you know, you're standing behind them. Do you know what I'm saying to you? It's quite difficult for a younger player to stand up and maybe articulate what they want to say and stand up for something. But, you know, hindsight's a great thing. Um, but I actually felt Mixer was actually a decent person. He was a decent person, to be fair. Yeah, I get the... I sense that you feel a bit sorry for him about how it kind of ended up like. Um, yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? It's not nice really, I suppose, if you, if you think of the person at the other end. Yeah, definitely, 100%. Um, because, you know, he had come in, uh, I, I had probably got me, me opportunity under him as well. And um, he he had uh, taken to me and he had a bit of confidence in me and I was buying into that confidence. And, you know, so you, you obviously have a, a bit of loyalty to a manager when, when, when that's the case. Um, but then again, it's going back to the whole thing of being, you're very young at the time and you, you obviously you're, you're looking and there's more experienced leaders and, and players in the dressing room and uh, you think, you know, they know better. And most of the time they do. Uh, but it um, obviously turned out uh, I, I think Johnny Nevin took training for, for a period of time back then before I think Luke came in then um, and that led to um, that uh, we had a great day out I think against Longford in the championship and then the following day we, we were in a packed Dr. Cullen Park against the I think there might have been the rain. Were Leash Leinster champions coming into place? They were indeed, yeah. And you would oh. score two goals against Longford as well, just to give yourself a bit of credit for that. I know you're modest yeah. enough going. No, so. no, no. Actually, funny enough, I, I was thinking about it, that and I never forget it actually because I think they came probably close to the end of the game. I think that game was a mad game. It was 4.15 to 1.16 or something like that. It was a, it was a mad game. But I always remember Mark Carpenter, uh, you know, so hard to get a pass off him. But I never forget, he got fouled for the penalty, I think. And uh, it might have been him or it might have been uh, Joe Barn got fouled for it. Anyway, put the penalty away and then Mark was coming through and lo and behold he fisted the ball across to me and I pounded it into an empty net and I went off celebrating on my own and Mark still gives me uh, grief to this day about going off celebrating on my own without celebrating with him so it's uh, <laughs> um, I'll never forget that it's, it's a bit of crack though between the two of us because he never ever passed the ball to me after that again <laughs> yeah despite the fact that she actually got the goal but anyway let's, let's talk leash then so that was um uh, I was talking to Paul Kelly about this as well. It was an amazing day. I, I didn't know whether it was the fact that I was just 13 or 14 and it seemed like there were so many people there or the fact that, you know, because I haven't been at the Tyrone and Monaghan games in recent years, mm. they were obviously large crowds. But Paul assures me that he has never seen a crowd like that in Netwatch Cullen Park and it must have been a fantastic day to be a part of. Oh, the, 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 there was no question that the crowd in Dr. Cullen Park that day was probably, you put the, the Monaghan and the Tyrone attendance together and I don't think they would have came to um, what was in Dr. Cullen that day. There, there might be a clip or two on that you might be able to see uh and the, the crowds were huge, absolutely huge. Um, and um, we we 
we gave a really, really good account of ourselves that day and probably with a little bit more belief and um, we could have been better up front that day as well. We, we Myself especially, I, I two or three shots, um, rush shots where you, you, you're, you think you're under pressure but you're probably not. You have a little bit more time and it's just having a little bit more uh, being relaxed and, and assessing the situation. Uh, Mark, Mark the same, Mark had a couple of efforts that day too that, that he probably looked back on and said, uh, where's the difference, the couple of efforts that they got, they took their scores and they always kept their noses just ahead of us. Um, but it was close going in. I think I think there was only a couple of points in it at half time. It might have been like seven points to one, two at half time. And I think it finished up um, 15 to one eight in the end. I think the one before five, they, they kicked a couple of, lovely scores at the end of the game to kind of pull away but uh, that's a game that we look back on um, and you'd be saying that you know we could have actually overturned the Leinster champions that day I remember we're very close and Mark Carpenter's going through on goal it just goes to show you the difference Joe Higgins foot trips him and he takes one for the team you know just a little bit of cynicism at the right time um, and whereas we were we probably again it goes back to being a bit naive um but we had a good team we had a really good team um back then i think like that team you had again sean kavanagh johnny nevin uh johnny kavanagh from your own lockdown bridge um you had uh i think barry english might even playing sausage um thomas walsh skiak um you know there's some really good players back then, um, and that stood up to that Leash team. Leash had great players as well, obviously. Dino, Ross Munley, who, who's still going um, to this day, credit to him. Um, Colin Parkinson, obviously, uh, he, he he got a couple of scores that day as well. Noel Garvin, Joe Higgins, Tom Kelly. So they, they had, obviously, serious pedigree as well, but we, we more than matched them on that day. And as I said to you, when we look back on it, it's probably one that uh, I always think back to say that it probably disappointed me that I didn't perform on the day. Um, but that happens. As I said to you, did, I didn't go out uh, to do that. But it just does happen. Sometimes the game just doesn't go for you and um, you learn from it. A couple of great days in 2005. Um, obviously, the victory over hopefully stands out a mile. But that day in Crow Park, again, it's probably similar to the Leash game in that it might be one that got away. But I remember it being a cracking game against Wexford. Um, 3 12 to 2 10, possibly it finished up. And I know, I know you were one of the goal scorers that day as well. Um, how did that compare to your first appearance in Crow Park? Were you a little bit more relaxed that time and felt like you could maybe let loose? Yeah, you, oh, I was definitely. There's, there's no question about it. And you're, you're obviously, you have a couple of more years under your belt um, inter county and you're kind of growing and you're developing. You're getting a bit physically stronger as well. So, uh, definitely it was that that was a mad game I think we were something like 3-3 three, three to 4 points down in that game uh, after maybe 15 minutes and I think if memory served me correctly I think Richie Sinek had sent off the same day as well I think we, we were really up against but midway through the second half we got a penalty and uh, we scored and um, we get back level into the game and just ran out of steam I think Matty Ford might have kicked three or four over the last five points and they just pull away at the end. Uh, but a, a, another great experience in terms of 
getting to play in Croke Park and uh, like because that's what it's all about. Um, and the gas thing about it is some guys might go their whole other career and, and not get the opportunity uh, to play in Croke Park. I mean, it was only a couple of years ago at Leitrim hadn't played there in I don't know how long and they got to play um, Division 4 final there wasn't it against Derry and um, you know them, them lads getting the opportunity no, no different than ourselves uh, it's it's just it's an unbelievable venue uh, and you can't get over when you're standing in it you know and it can be quite deceiving if, if you haven't played in it I always found shooting down into the canal end it can be quite deceiving um, just when, when you're shooting into that end uh, it's always a little bit further away than you think right so um, fantastic victory over Offaly Carpenter nails one later on and um you know, it was a it was a victory that was well deserved for the efforts that Liam Hayes put in. I'm going to skip on to the following year, if that's all right, because yeah. I know this was Hayes' second year, and I'm going to talk to you about Hayes in a bit more detail mm. as well. But the, a victory over Wicklow, I think, below in Wexford Park. You're you're in the full forward line mm. with Alan Kelly as well. And yeah. was there possibly three left foot guys in the full forward line? Was was Carberry there? As well? I think I think you could be right. I think it was myself, Alan Kelly, and Brian Carberry. And I think we all could have got a goal that day as well. Uh, we we played right there. We played Wicklow, yeah, in Wexford Park, and and one of the reasons I remember that is Wicklow had the music thumping before the game, and it was a bit like we show these lads, you know, that kind of way. And uh, I could I could have finished up, I think, it was four nine to twelve points or something like that, um, or it might have been a bit more. But uh, I think Tom Welch might have got a cracker of a goal that day as well. Uh, Playing for Carlo, not Wicklow, by the way. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that that was again. That was Liam. His was obviously the manager at that time, and uh, he was obviously very meticulous and, and big into his planning. And that probably came from his, the business side of of uh, him as well. Like, um, but uh, after that, I think we go on and play Leash in. Portlaoise, I think uh, we 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 get a bit of a reality check against them. They, they get, I think they gave us a bit of a trounce in that day. To be honest with you, what is it about Leash that they seem to have Carlo's number every time? What is the story like? Yeah, look, it's it's a hard one. I've spoken to a lot of people about this before because I, I know myself personally from um, going to play any club team in Leash from time playing with Aero, like There's never any fair, and we've played Port Leash regularly in challenge games and always put it up to them and stuff like that. And it, it's gas when you go out and you line up then and, and it with an inter county card of Leash. It's nearly like there's an inferiority thing there, and, and it goes back to. Again, it's, it's it's probably mindset and it's it's just having that belief and confidence. But as well as that, Leash have always felt that they've had the upper hand in Carlo and they, that's probably in their thing too. And it's a tradition thing too. It goes that that's why it goes back that far. And until you break that cycle, maybe three or four times consistently, and you you start to say, well, we have the upper hand now, and we've probably never got the upper hand over that time. And um, and until we do, it, that's probably going to be there with certain teams going out to play, uh, Kevin, you know. And it's funny the way, you know, we could be, like, I always remember down through the years, and uh, go back to playing against the Blues, like, we could be going fantastically well and they could be going terrible and you go up and play them and they'd overturn you. And it's just them games, you know, that you have to overturn and say, right, okay, we've got the better of this team today. And until we kind of break that cycle, and look, we, we've come very close and we've won, again, one-off games and might have won in a Burn Cup game here or there. But we probably haven't done it when it's mattered. And 
that's been disappointing. Um, and it go, even going back to a couple of years ago, Carlo had Leash's number a couple of years ago um, in, in them three games that they played. And um, that's obviously something that I live with them guys. They, when, they, when they reflect and they look back on, on them three games, they probably should have won two or three of them, definitely, anyway. Um, and it's it's extremely disappointing uh, because you're going up there with a hope. Like three years ago or two years ago, I was going up there. I was convinced that we, we actually were, were going to do it. Um, but we let them off the hook. And in, in that league game in, in Dr. Cullen Park, should have won that and they should never got to the Division 4 final that back then and uh, we wouldn't have had to play them in it and we might have been meeting someone else and probably beating them but uh, and even the league final again I think we should have won that um, Leach deserved to win the Leinster semi-final um, I just think the, the, we hadn't learned from the previous two games and we kind of did the same thing expecting a different result and it didn't happen and so but um, yeah until we kind of get over them a couple of times or it's going to maybe take a new crop of, of, of guys to come along that have no inferiority to them or, you know, they don't worry about it. That's, what, that's, that's, that's what's going to need to happen, probably. Right, so this is probably a good time. You mentioned the Blues there, so let's go back to the 2005 club final then when mm. Tommy and Thurlow were obviously over E. And there was a change in the guard prior to this because the Aroga had obviously been the team in the 90s, no doubt about that, won five Leinsters. The Blues came along and won their Leinster and then they had Aroga's number for a little while. Then that 2005 final seems to be a real turning point. You, we're talking about Carlo and Leash here, and I'm not going to say, like, Aero believed they're four or five points up before, you know, and they're going to be anyone. That's just from the outside mm. in how it seemed, right? So yeah. on that day against the Blues, the Blues were going to come at you hard. And I know from talking to Tommy Wogan, he said one of the big things on that day was to hit them hard physically. It seemed to work fairly well. It was a miserable wet day, but you won the game and it was a real battle. Yeah, we that was probably one of the most physical teams I've ever played against. They were they were big. Um, Ken Cabinet, Breffney Hannon, uh, Ken Walker, um, Pat Cabinet, Anthony Cabinet, Mark Carpenter, Philip Nolan. Do you know you could go down through all of them? Like they were all big, apt, and and they were strong as well. And um, like we we were we were underdogs they're not getting away from it like that team that Blues team had only won the Leinster and they were probably starting to come into a really kind of peak and uh, I don't think anyone really expected us uh, to win that day and people might have looked at the weather and said Jesus this is Blues home and hose because it was often looked upon Aero play a better football on a, on a drier day and stuff and we had a really really young team uh, at that that going back to the kind of that 99 2000 area turn on Tommy over the minors and a lot of us have come through um, the likes of myself and Alan O'Brien and um, Daniel Walker and Bernard Hennessy and Tommy Dowling and um, Christy Bulger uh, so a lot of us Vinnie Kavanagh we'd all come through up with, with, with the boys so the lads knew but we trained we trained seriously hard that year and we were prepared for it. like we were like training sessions in the lead up to that final were unbelievable and it was just like there was there was rows every night uh, in, in a good way but you could feel that Thurlow was letting everything go because we needed to be at that that area that we were we, we were ready for it we, we it wasn't that we were expecting it we knew it was coming so just accept it and move on and uh, obviously a big thing was we went to the out and set the tone and Cormac McCarthy set the tone very early in that day. 
himself and Carpenter had a tussling. Carpenter ended up on on uh, his his backside, and probably Cormac might have been lucky to this day that you know he might have got sent off, but. Pacquiao, I think, was the referee. It, it, it probably went in our favour, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. We, I think, we scraped out seven six. I think, um, and that kind of gave us a belief then going forward. And I think we won three out of the next or two out of the next three then leading into that. Um, and that Blues team then probably they didn't they didn't actually that probably affected them more. Um, you know, because they didn't really kind of probably recover from that. Um, after um so it was a big turning point for us because we hadn't won one since 90, 98, 99 and I remember coming on in two thousand and one and saying, which is you're expecting success because the club has actually been so successful and then we went four or five years without winning one until we won our first, you know. The Blues actually didn't contest the senior final since two thousand and five, which is mad considering yeah. the talent as you already said they had at that time. Um for you guys you played Pal in both two thousand and seven and two thousand and eight and you won both those couple of replays in there, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, as well. That's correct. We were extremely lucky on both days to get replays. Um, we got free in the last minute in the first game uh, in 2007. And then we won the replay convincingly enough, I think. And in 2008, Alan Curran kicked a free kind of into injury time to get the replay. And uh, we... Uh, Do you remember kicking that free in 07, Simon? I can, yeah, because Scott was actually giving me a bit of verbal. Um, first and foremost, he was getting out to me for diving, for winning the free. And uh, I, I wouldn't say I dived, but I, I more so kind of was clever enough in terms of knowing, knowing exactly uh, where the defender was in position in my body, uh, which which all good forwards do, Kevin. <laughs> um, and Skiok was handy at it himself. Uh, so um, I would, uh, yeah, I do remember because it, it, it's little things like that kind of stay with you, you know, but you kind of, I didn't, you don't feel any pressure because, you know, you're used to doing it. Uh, you know, there's a responsibility on you because you're you're the free taker and you've practiced it. So you just go through your routine and you're trusted. And uh, look, thankfully it went over and we got another opportunity. And you know, in hindsight, you missed that. You don't know what effect it has on you. You know what I kind of way. So, but um, it's it could destroy uh, you as a player, not just losing that final, but that could have set you back a serious amount. And it's mad the way that didn't even become a thought in your mind as you're stepping up to kick it and how significant it was. No, it doesn't. It doesn't because um, I think... yeah. Because if it does, you wouldn't be taking a freeze in the first place, as you? That's, that's it. That's it. And and that's the number one thing that you, you have to understand as a free taker, uh, there's a huge amount of responsibility, you know, trusted on you um, to take the freeze. And you obviously you have to put the work in. And I know because I used to put the work in. So as I said to you, stuff like that is kind of second nature. And once you know your routine and your technique, uh, you know, you should be pretty confident when, when you're standing over that um, free. And you, you try to block out that stuff. I, I do remember Scott kind of giving me a bit of bit of jip worries. Uh, but do you have a bit of a laugh to this day about it anyway? You know, so... Um, well, he knew how you won the free, and it takes one to know one, I suppose. It does, said. it does, yeah, it does, surely it does. So, um, you had a pretty good run, I think, in 08 in Leinster when you got to the semi final against Road, and that Road team was unbelievable. I remember a goal they scored that day, which I think is on YouTube. Um, goal. Brilliant fantastic goal, yeah. team, fantastic goal. They, they, yeah. they, unfortunately, they blew you away, but you had a queer good run leading up to that. Like, yeah, we we did. And the disappointing thing about that is, I think we were actually been on the road for eight weeks in a row. Uh, we we went to a replay with the Longford champs. Uh, 
I actually I, I picked up a serious injury um, in the, the first day against Longford Champions in, in, in that drawing game in Dr. Cullen Park I, I did a dislocation and a broken collarbone so dislocated shoulder broken collarbone so I was out for a long long time uh, AC Giant had a rupture in it as well so it took me probably seven or eight months uh, to kind of get back um, after that game but Road caught us they gave us a bit of a tonk and I think I think it might have been three eight to five or six points and it was disappointing because I think that was a Leinster semi-final I think so um, yeah I was disappointed looking in I felt sorry for the lads but I, there was definitely a level of fatigue uh, they were coming off a little bit fresher and we were after being on the go uh, flat out and a couple of injuries were starting to creep in as well obviously but uh, no excuses either like they were like that team Pascal Keelahan, uh, Alan McNamee, Niall McNamee, like there's some serious uh, talent in that team as well. So, um, yeah, again, though, it, it, we, we always had that belief when we got over Carlo that we could go on and do something. And uh, we, we've always tended to look that way. And again, that goes back to what I'm talking about, tradition, that, you know, because Aero set that tone in the 90s, we had a belief coming up through us, or it was instilled in us that, look, beyond your county when you do when you do win it there's an opportunity there to go and achieve something and uh, we always had that about us and we were always disappointed when when it didn't work out for us because all we wanted to do was try and create our own little bit of history looking back at the lads that had gone before us and we had a link obviously with, with Brian Carberry and Bernard Hennessy from that team and um, they were good lads to have from an experience point of view as well kind of bringing us along you know so one of your own was kind of factor in your own doing between 2008 and 2012 because Joe Murphy obviously took over all Auckland. They reached three county finals. Um, I think on a couple of occasions beat Eirog on the way. You came back and won one then in 2012. Now, am I right in saying that you had hamstring injuries for a long time as well that you struggled to kind of rectify? Yeah, hamstring injuries, like the shoulder was a bad one and I had a, I had a serious hamstring injury as well. The shoulder took me probably a little bit longer to recover for than I actually knew because it's a confidence thing getting back and just trusting again going into the tackle and that can kind of have a knock-on effect, do you know what I'm saying to you? Um, with you in terms of when you're out in the field and you're like you really want to go for the ball and you're kind of like this, this shoulder right, you know that kind of way. And it, it took me took me a little bit of time, but I'd done an awful lot of work in the gym, uh, and probably put on a little bit too much at the time, um, upper body. And uh, it takes you a little bit of time then to kind of get back down because you, you kind of come up a little bit more bulky. And you did like that was the that was the norm back then. Anyway, back during the nineties, a lot a lot of teams were kind of bulking up, I suppose, and getting bigger and stronger um, whereas now it's kind of leaner and faster uh, so um, it took me a little bit of time to kind of get that right um, and to trust again but the hamstrings yeah the hamstrings started to creep in and they were just like psychologically it's it's difficult to describe you know when you keep recurring getting the same thing because once you know then that you're trying to hit top speed there's always the doubt in your head that oh, is this going to go on me and they took a longer time to get over, probably. Um, and also, I was going through, um, like, 2010, obviously, the birth of our daughter, Sophia. Uh, and I probably 
enjoyed a little bit of time away and I was I was going through a couple of other things with anxiety and stuff like that as well. So that that kind of probably crept into um I wasn't fully invested in football from kind of eleven, you know, for a couple of years and Tarla got me back involved in 2012 and we won the championship that year. And uh, yeah, Tarla has a funny story, actually. I was training one night and uh, we were doing <laughs> very, very uh, long sprints. Well, they seemed like they were going on for long anyway, but I ended up on the ground, uh, like literally thought I was having a heart attack. It was actually a panic attack. And uh, he still talks to that to this day. He got horrible fright. So he, he was he was absolutely, uh, you could see his face. He said he, he never, the look of me on the ground. Uh, but it was just it was just a panic attack. And I've, I've struggled, I struggled with them for a good few years. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting when you look back on it now and you, you realize, and once you get in control of them, that that's all they are and they'll pass. And uh, it's um, football obviously helped me because it's it just kind of relaxes you you're getting out there and I was glad that Tarla got me back involved in 2012 then and we I then started obviously we went 2012 and we went from you might tell me there then we we lost the I think did we yeah we lost a couple of we might have lost the semi-final or two and then we ended up being back in 16 and 17 I think yeah so if, I hope you don't mind me kind of delving into this, mm. but you mentioned the anxiety and the panic attacks. You, you never strike me as that type of person. You seem very calm, confident, assured. Was was it kind of going on for a good bit prior to when it came to a head? And if so, was football the main outlet you had up until that point? Yeah, it's it's hard to know because like it it, it just came on over. Uh, I was just at home one night. The very first time I uh, experienced one, I was just at home one night uh, with, with my wife Tracy, and uh, it's just, it's just, a f- just dread and just, just this fear comes over you. And I actually ended up in hospital the same night. Uh, my dad ended up bringing me, and I was tested for loads of things. And I ended up going up uh, and being tested um, up in Dublin, and to put all the stuff on you, and I went on the treadmills and the heart monitors and everything like that because I actually thought. Uh, convinced then it might have been an issue with my heart or something because your heart just feels like it's coming out of your chest uh but it's an awful feeling it's 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 hard to describe the feeling kevin you just don't wish it on anybody um and the biggest problem you have when you experience that is that you're actually living in fear of it happening again and it completely consumes you uh to a point until you go and you try and get a little bit of help for it and um that's I, I probably took a little bit longer than I should have gone and doing that, uh, but I did do it. And um, once you realise what it is, then you can then start to take ownership of it, and you you know the the signs when there is one coming or anything. And often people have said like people say you're you're pretty outgoing and you're confident and you're this that and the other, but um, that it can happen to anybody. Um, it can literally happen to anybody. Uh, but the big thing is that you to take ownership of it rather than letting it control you because if you let it control you well then there's a constant dread and a fear and everything like that and probably for a few years playing football that was in me and it probably took a couple of years of football um some of my better years probably um in terms of because the mindset is different it's not longer a positive mindset it's a negative mindset um so um i just as i said to you, you like 
you know now these things when they do happen to you they will pass that's all they are they're not nice to experience uh i, I very rarely I'm, I'm i'm in kind of control of them now and you're very rarely i know the onsets of something's happening that exactly you know what to do and it's a big thing is working on your breathing um and um got a little bit of help obviously with, with my own doctor and then i went to um a lady and, and helped me with breathing and meditation and stuff like that and um that uh that's definitely put me kind of for the last four or five years has been far more positive. And now I've had a couple of episodes, but it it happens. And again, I go back to the come and go, you know? Yeah, well, I can exclusively reveal you're actually talking to someone who's been there as well yeah. and fully understands what you're talking about. It's absolutely horrible. Um, yeah. And you mentioned you do a lot of running, 10Ks and stuff. That's probably the best form of medication on the market as far as I'm concerned. And I'm pretty sure you're probably with me on that one. Yeah, it's just to get out. And uh, I used to, to when, when you feel myself getting anxious, just mad, I could get out of bed at maybe two or three in the morning and you do sit-ups or press-ups or you do something just to distract your mind from the, the, the fear entering it or whatever. So you're taking ownership of it rather than letting it manifest and ending up in a full-blown kind of panic attack. Do you know what I'm saying to you? Uh, yeah. But everybody deals with these things differently. Um Everybody does. Uh, some people, um, it, it mightn't affect it, that seriously. Other people, it will. And other people need to obviously go down the medication route. And, and listen, there's no one thing for all. It's what works for you. But the most important thing is to find what works for you. And um, as, as I said to you, once I kind of knew and said, it's not more sinister because as as you probably know, when you experience them, they're, they're, they're terrible. They're absolutely terrible. It's hard to describe them. And it, it's, there's nearly a heaviness that sits on your chest for maybe three, four days after them. That's just sitting there right in the center of your chest. And, um, but again, the past, these things pass and, uh, you just, you just, just positivity is a big thing with it. Huge thing. You, you've got to want to fight it as well, Simon. I think that's the biggest thing. It takes a lot of energy, but it will equally take almost as much energy, if not more, if you don't fight it. Oh, yeah, mentally, it just drains you. Mentally, it absolutely destroys you. Uh, but the, the, the number one thing, as you said, is that you to have that... that uh, and basically what, basically what it is, is and more you look at it, is that it's a build-up of overuse of adrenaline and your, your body can't your body effectively can't control it. Uh, and that, that's what it is. So, uh, yeah, look, running helps... Um, it, it does, uh, obviously, time management and planning and stuff like that in terms of if, if you're worried about stuff, you know, that helps as well. Uh, everybody's different. Everyone's come, and everybody experiences them in different ways. Um, but um, it's important to let people know that, like, it's okay. Do you know what I'm saying to you? Like, it's okay to, to talk about it. I think enough of it is not really talked about, um, you know, um, like, you know, a, a good few lads my own lads and my own friends that know all about it and stuff like that and i don't mind mentioning it because by me talking about it you might one or two other people might relate to it and they kind of say look jesus that worked or this worked or jesus it's good to hear somebody you know that kind of way so um i think it's important to talk about it um because the more you talk the more people might open up themselves you know well that's it um and i appreciate the fact that you told your story because mm-hmm. It's not a story that I've ever told, and from working in media all through the years, I've never said it publicly or anything like that. But yeah, I do experience anxiety, and I'm, I'm still experiencing it to this day, and we'll continue to fight it. So yeah. I think even having the conversation is, is great for people to know that, look, it happens to everyone. You can 
Anyway, you can live with it. You can continue to fight it, and you know, as long as you're willing to do that, I think you'll always you'll always make inroads. But I'll bring it back to to Turlo. Then is is Turlo one of those guys that kind of helps you along the way? Obviously, you've got your family, you've got your friends. But in terms of getting back into what you love, which was obviously football, did Turlo kind of help ease you back in then during that period? I did, Jet. Look, Turlo's probably had me since I was a young lad developing up in the club and, and so you know and he knows he knows every single player and he, he builds up a really good relationship. Like he's a he's a brilliant man manager, uh, and he's a brilliant communicator as well, uh to, to give him his credit. And he just his his heart is just immersed in, in football. Uh, and in Erog, in in Carlo, in every every type of passion, do you know what I'm saying? To you? Carlo G, everything he he gave his everything to anything he's ever done. So he 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 knows me a long time, and he's 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 put it this way: he's helped me more than once. Uh, he know what I'm referring to. <laughs> I won't go into it in too much detail. So it's um it's uh he, he's he's a really he's a really good man, and Tommy as well. Tommy Tommy's the same. Tommy's uh. Tommy's a really, really good man as well, like you know. So uh, the both of them go well together. He used to give you a bit of stick about the weight, I think, Tommy. Even even when you're as lean as a butcher's dog, he used to love winding you up. Oh, he, he still does. He still does. He, he met me. I met him in the truck there the other day, and he and he stopped me. I was coming down the Pres Road there running, and he stopped me and said to me, "You've a bit to go," you know. So that's typical. <laughs> that's, that's typical Tommy Wogan. And I used to say it to him, he had more. He had more clubs than Tiger Woods, you know. Uh, he went and managed this club, that club. So. Uh, yeah, I tell you a good one about Tommy. The the I I happened to miss the Antrim game when Carlo got promoted back in 2018. I was in Krakow, but I got back I think uh, that evening. But the next morning, I brought up a chicken filler roll, and I swear to God, he had the roll out quicker than my ball to 100 meters. So <laughs> Tommy, no, <laughs> he, he loved that one. He's some man to put food away. All right, yeah, he's often seen. <laughs> he's often seen coming out Tesco's with a big sweets bag there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> What a man, a great man, a man of great time for along with along with Turlo, of course. Um, so the the victory over Pal in twenty twelve that that broke a big duct, obviously, and then there was somewhat of a renaissance coming back towards you know seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Aero win a three in a row, and it's kind of um, seventeen and eighteen. You kind of really reinvented yourself as a footballer. You you went from that free-flowing, free-scoring corner forward to what I would call a modern-day wing forward that gets up and down the field. Mm. What was the story with that transition? How did that come about? I, th- I think you kind of have to adapt as a footballer and kind of, okay, what, am I, what, what can I bring to the team now? And obviously, when you're playing inside, and a- again, once you kind of hit the far side of 30, there's no doubt about what pace does distinguish. And obviously, with the, with the history of... of hamstring injuries I've had it distinguishes a lot faster as well so you kind of have to say okay uh, you have to look at it and say I, I need to do something here and I need to look at what I can bring to the team and um, I, I, like we were obviously developing a system and um, Joe I, I, I think like I knew what I was getting. I, I knew. I know in my own head. I'm, I I know what way forwards think, and I know what way to deliver a ball. I know what way I'd like a ball coming into me. So, uh, Joe probably trusted me a little bit more that I was prepared to do that role. Uh, it's kind of an unforgiving role. You're up and back and up and back, and it's not really for for someone at 35. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying to you? To be kind of up and back. But I, to be honest with you, I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, and. Um, them couple of years, 
really, really liked it. I was enjoying the training again, back loving football again. Um, obviously, it helps too when, when, when you achieve something. And it was nice to achieve, um, you know, a win with, with a lot of them new kind of younger lads coming through. Um, obviously, the likes of Jordan Morrissey and, and Ross Dunphy, like they're great kids, uh, great chaps, and uh, them, them two in particular. But also... There's a few lads there. It was their first as well. You know what I'm saying to you. Um, so it was it was great. It was really really good. They've really shot on there in <laughs> they've, they've they've bought it on all, even last year there as well. Like you know, so it's uh, it's great. Long may it continue. Yeah, and they're all regional ends for final last year. Um, mm. Your own involvement then. Uh, obviously, you were a noticeable absentee last year. Mm. What was the story? Um, probably look. Joe Joe had ideas himself in terms of probably the way he was probably looking to kind of move things forward and um, it's uh, things kind of probably you know opinions might change and stuff like that and um, you you're you're you might be required or whatever and um, probably a lack of dialogue um, between the two of us as well and um, that happens that's that's. Uh, that sport uh, and you, you move on from it um, you know um, I was I was heartbroken absolutely heartbroken um, at the end of that Leinster final as, as much as anybody um, you know you look back on it and said to yourself if buts what's you know bottom line is wasn't a part of it but I was heartbroken um, and I just felt for the group of players because they invested so much in it Um the, the whole team did and they were like within like if you if if your man I think Egan's shot doesn't go over the bar that time and where he shoots from it that doesn't go over the bar like I think a rogue or Leinster champion so it's it's fine margins do you know what I'm saying to you um, but um, I, I I did like people have asked me oh we we disappointed or we this uh, not to be this it wasn't really Kevin no because like when you're away from it you're away from it and then when you're involved in it you're completely involved in it do you know what I'm saying to you and it's gas it's only that we have this bit of free time now you realise how much time you're actually investing in it Um. so I, en- I enjoyed last year Enjoy. I got to spend loads of time uh, with the kids they're, they're grown and uh, that's time you don't get back do you know what I'm saying to you so it's um, I, I'm not no. I as I said to you, I was I was devastated as an Aero supporter and former player, whatever you want to call it, uh, for them lads on that day because I was I was part of that journey with them, and that's the way you have to look at it as well. You were part of that leading up to that time, um, and uh, just because you weren't on the field with them doesn't mean that you weren't more part of it because you know you 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 spent two or three years getting there with them. You trained with them. We won a couple of championships together. Uh, but the, the bottom line is, um, I was I was really really heartbroken as as an Airog uh, person for for that group of players because I'm still close to a lot of them. Do you know what I'm saying to you? Um, still still close. Like I've, I've actually three children: um, Caden, Sophia, and then my eldest is Sean. Sean Gannon, because uh, I'm always minding him and where we go. <laughs> So, um, and there's a lot of people that vouch for that. Like, there's t- like Tarlow's always put me together with him because he needs a lot of mind, and you know, <laughs> Brandon Bastard, of course, over and out with as well, where you've been working for, for so long. But just, um, yeah. if you don't mind me asking, it, there's a 
probably a difference of opinions, I guess, with, with Joe Murphy. Did you feel like you could have went on perhaps that extra year? Yeah, look, I, I felt in terms of the way I was playing and the way in terms of, and as well as that too, you're, you're wise enough to know you're, you're getting on as well. Do you know what I'm saying to you? And you, you don't want to be uh, stopping any development once you get to a certain age too. But I felt it was part of it. And uh, like, I, I played a lot of games over the last couple of years, but uh, probably just goes back to, to, to dialogue. Um, and Joe, Joe is not that type of person either. And look, I'm, I, I'd be, I'm pretty stubborn as well. Um, so there was, there was no real dialogue between, between the two of us. And, um, that happens, um, you know, stuff like that happens. And it's just uh, strange to think how much it could change in the matter of months, almost, because you're a central figure in, in those two victories, and then all of a sudden, I mean, what's a, what's a few months? You know what I'm trying to say to you? Like you're yeah. 38 now, and I get that, but it just seems bizarre yeah. from the outside yeah. in. Yeah, well, yeah, no, I'm, I'm 37. I'm not the 38. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but uh, it's um, yeah. heading towards that way. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. a couple of years' time, I think. Yeah, um, but um, yeah, no, the. <laughs> Yeah, look, that's 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 my that's kind of my outlook on it, and uh, but um, look, that's that that happens, that happens. Um, you know, there was a, there was obviously again it, there was a change in Airog style last year. There, there were probably a little bit more. Uh, they're still counter attacking, but there was a lot more um, energy. Um, but. You know, I look back on it too and say, you know, uh, there was no Marta Ware there last year, who for me was a bigger loss than anything. Uh, I, I'm convinced that we had had Marta um, just as an option because he was after having a good year full forward the previous year, you know. Um, and that's the difference. Like, Bally Bowden had a bench and uh, we probably didn't have the extra couple of lads needed to, to kind of bring on and close out the game. Um well, no, I'm back. I'm back with the intermediates this year, anyway. Um, so I'm um, looking forward to out doing a bit of training and um, looking forward to seeing what that brings. Absolutely. Well, in the meantime, I've asked you to do a bit of homework, like we have done with all the guests so far on the series. We've asked our guests to uh, pick the best fifteen that they have played with at whatever level, schools, uh, Leinster in your case, county, club. Um, out in the back garden, whatever. Uh, it doesn't matter. But the uh, the curveball is you, you got to include yourself. Lads hate that. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that bit of it at all. Let's be honest with you. Uh, it's amazing how quickly everyone becomes modest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it allows you to fit somebody else in, and that's the other side of it as well. But um, yeah. So look, I and I, I just I give you me just a little bit of assertion first. I've tried to base the base most on who I've played with a lot and for a number of years and um you know who've been consistent as well you know what i'm saying to the club as well uh so like and there's a lot of people that lose out as well but um no i think nearly everybody on the list has probably played county anyway at some stage um but uh i've been i was debating sausage and james clark they, they were my keepers like one of the keepers anyway i mean like sausage was just brilliant uh clarky was an all-around brilliant keeper as well uh, but I, I just probably have to ed- edge it to Sausage um, I mean he, he'd, a, he'd a wonderful left foot on him and he, he was a great communicator as well um, but Clarkie look there's, there's nothing between them played a lot with James as well and he's an absolute gentleman that a different day I could could say yeah James but going with Sausage anyway in a goal uh, right corner back 
Benny Kavna. Benny obviously look, speaks for himself. He's, he's after having a great eight, nine years there. Like Benny, I was just thinking back and looking at it there. He came on, I think he started coming on to the year old team around 10, 11. So he's after having a great kind of deck of, of as well. And he got to represent Carlo, played for Leinster as well. Uh, so he's, he's, and he's, he's a super player. He's great on the ball, a great reader of the game. Um, full back, Brian Farrell had unbelievable tussles with him down through the years some he's got the better of some I've got the better of but he was just a brilliant consistent back uh, for, for Cloban County an excellent uh, and he, he's as hard as nails as well um, so he's full back now if you want to add anything in don't be afraid to stop me there <laughs> cornerback uh, another club mate of mine you'll see there's a bit of loyalty to a lot of lads here anyway but uh, yeah uh, Vinnie Kavne. And the reason that Vinny in there is that I played a huge amount of football with Vinny, but I just loved his attitude. And he he had a serious injury himself. He came back from, but he just was just absolutely go for every ball. He was a great talker. Uh, he liked a little bit of banter between a little bit of sledging as well. Uh, he was fond of it, and he was immense that day in two thousand and five. Um, and uh, I played up with Vinny the whole way up along and a very very underrated footballer um, so have Vinny like look to be honest with you I you know I'm going back to the half back line here now like I tried to pick kind of two or three lads in each position and kind of went with you know that's the way I did it anyway uh, other half half back line starting off anyway, I have Christy Bulger Christy was just a leader Simple as that. I don't really have to say too much about him. Set the tone uh, in training, set the tone in in the matches, uh, and uh, great communicator. Obviously, the minor team is lucky to have him at the moment there. He's, he's a great lad, a super, super lad as well to go with it. Centre-back of Cormac McCarthy. Mac, uh, again, it, like him and Christy are probably cut with a one stone. Great fella. A good I always could go to him for a bit of advice or a chat or any time you want to talk about anything. He was just brilliant, but just a hardy fella too that sets the tone um, and uh, leader as well. Um, then the other wing back, I, I, it was really between John Hayden and Joe Byrne and uh, I went with John Hayden. Uh, Joe probably will never speak to me again, but sure. Anyway, he doesn't really he doesn't really speak to you anyway, so he's all right. Uh, so, uh, but I went with John. Uh, I'm just going to jump in. I'm going to jump in for a second here because obviously um, on the podcast previously we've had Paul Kelly from Kildavan, hmm. and Paul was trying to pull a fast one and try to get away with um, not putting himself on the team, despite the fact that I stressed that he had to. So obviously during the podcast he makes a late change. He takes out Joe Byrne just oh, for Joe. We we'll get Joe, a hashtag going. Joe was a great footballer. Just like don't have to say brilliant footballer. He was a brilliant footballer and. Uh, Good, great for county and for club. Um, absolutely brilliant footballer. He, he doesn't need anybody to tell him that, to be honest with you. So, uh, but John was just. I played a good bit of football with John and Pat, and, and had the unfortunate of playing against him a good few times as well. <laughs> but John was, and off the field as well, John is a great, great fella. A really, really nice fella. Uh, you can have a conversation with him. No, no, no nonsense with him. Uh, great trainer. He's just a nice all-around fella and uh, very consistent uh, for for uh, club and county. I have to say, Paul Cashin probably is is uh, unlucky to lose out there. Paul was Paul was an excellent footballer as well. Um, 
and uh, again these things you're, you're picking a team tomorrow you'd have maybe different lads everything is subjective to be honest with you Kevin uh, you know so it's uh, this was just what I was feeling at the time uh, midfield is Sean Gannon and Jody Morrissey now I, what a combo I've picked this team based on putting lads in their best positions that have like I've um, and I'm going to discuss I, I haven't it's not like the All-Stars where I've put uh, you know Eric McCormick corner back just to get in the team or you know or someone like yeah. Johnny, Johnny Nevin centre back yeah, yeah. I, yeah I've picked this team solely on like look I've played with Brendan Murphy and Thomas Walsh right but I just don't think um, to me personally I have Gannon and Marcy ahead of the two of them. Now, other people might disagree with that. That's fine. That's that's what it's about. That's about opinions and about. And obviously, the lads have different strengths that Jody and Sean don't have. But in terms of being up close and personal to them two lads, uh, like Marcy, just what can you not say about him? I mean, his his spatial awareness, the way he could turn out with trouble, uh, his his slight of pass or his weight on his pass in terms of he always knew it was just going to hop before I came into you. He made you look probably better than you are. That's that's I can't pay him a better compliment than that. He was he was a brilliant, brilliant footballer. Um and Sean Sean has been Sean has been really uh outstanding. Um he's after having a great couple of years and he's after turning into a fine uh, leader um for Airog under my tutelage in terms of minding him up the whole way along and uh, fathering him and uh he um but no, it's on, on. You know, all joking aside, he's, he's. What else can you say? Again, that's. I think that's a, that's a really, really good midfield partnership. Yeah, the two boys like Tom Welch might have been in it, but he fecked off to Wicklow. So I forget about Tom now. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, look, that's them two. Moving on to the half forward line, uh, I've gone uh, Brian Carberry uh, wing forward. Uh, I've gone Johnny Nevin centre forward, and I've gone Mark Carpenter. Uh, on there, and I look again. That's a serious half forward line as well. Um, I mean, them three players. Uh, Brino was just Brino was a really, really good player. Uh, and Johnny, sure, Johnny is Johnny. Uh, you know, you might never get a pass off him, but what you done for Carlo? Uh, he he always delivered. Um, and I probably played. There's a great balance to that half forward line actually as well because yeah. you got Harvey obviously with the left ball. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, Johnny with both feet, and then Mark. Uh, but you do. Yeah, like the two like. Carpenter was Carpenter was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant, um, and the pace he had. But what people don't know as well is that he had this strength that if you got really close to him, he was able to shrug you off. Uh, he was he was brilliant, and another great man to buy a free too. Uh, I've been lucky enough to get. I used to always say when you're attacking, go down my side. So I'm always kicking in from the right mark. Good man yourself. So uh, he was uh, he was good at that. He was good at that. So yeah, I, I did, look. I think that's a. Uh, I think that's a it's it's a good half forward line. Definitely, it's uh, yeah. Uh, you know, there's other, other lads I've played with club boys, um, and there's other lads I've played. Look, Pat Hickey. You know, Pat was a brilliant footballer. Um, but again, you know, to the great brain, he was strong as an ox as well. He could fend lads off and get a score as well. Uh, I, I loved great time for Pat. He's a really really good footballer. Um, you're going down through it as well, like. Look, JJ Smith was a very, very good footballer as well. Uh, Brian Murphy from Rafili, their lads probably lucky to lose out as well. And anyway, going into the full forward line, I have uh, myself, not that I wanted myself there or anything like that. And uh, I have Skjok and I have Eric McCormick. So 
that's the full forward line. Um, Scott had many a huge game for Carlo. Huge games for Carlo. Always played well for Carlo and a great servant to Pal as well. And oh, oh, to be fair to him, after that horrific injury he had as well, came back and uh, performed a really, really good level as well. So a lot of respect for Scott. He's, he's, he's a good fella as well. Uh, off the field and uh, often enjoyed an old uh, nice pointer to them. Um, and then Slick, I don't think there was too many better natural finishers around than, than, than Eric in his time. He was just clinical, absolutely clinical and always had that composure. You always just knew. Yeah, It's not that you knew, you expected it. Now, it might be a bit controversial having two left footers in on the far side. Now, look, there's a few I've left out. Like, I played with Willie Quinlan for a couple of years, but I tried to base on lads I played the most with. Uh, like, Willie would be in any team, to be honest with you. So, Willie won't mind me saying that. There's a few others as well, again, that I've... I've um, I'd have Brendan Hayden probably. Uh, I played a couple of seasons with him as well, and like stuff like that as well. But uh, I'm just basing it on lads I played the most amount of time with. That's that's the only thing to balance. Slick is is uh, is a bit like myself, uh, but I can kick a few when he's right as well, so he's all right. So, but yeah, uh, look, as I said to you, I think you sit down tomorrow and you might pick a couple of different lads there, but um, that's trying to be as fair as I can and and looking at it from. Back in that time, you know, people people look at it and might disagree with it. That's fine. <laughs> I might look at it tomorrow and say, "What were you thinking?" That's fine too. <laughs> so, um, but sure, it's a bit of crack too, and I'm sure once it goes out, I get a couple of phone calls. Yes, another fantastic team picked and another fantastic story. I'd like to thank Simon for being incredibly brave and telling the story publicly. It's something that wasn't on the agenda for the interview, but happened during the story naturally. It's also a good time to point out that if you are struggling at all, please do have a chat with someone. And a recommendation I would have is to try and exercise because on a personal level, I can say it really does help. And Simon vouches for that, as you would have heard during the interview as well. Again, thanks to all who've got in touch with me about the podcast so far. Great to see all that positive feedback. And the ratings on Apple Podcasts are helping too. Don't forget, when you hit the five stars, your name doesn't actually show up. It's only if you leave a review. So as the fella said, don't be afraid of it. That's it for today's show. My thanks to Simon Ray once again. And thanks to our sponsors, Corkman Precast. Thanks. we do it all again next Monday with episode six of My Time in the Gansey here on the Left Wing Back Podcast. Until then, stay safe and take care.